The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard. It's a busy weekend for me. It generally is. This weekend, very busy. All right, so kind of get you up to date, too. So um, just on the show, September 30th, Hobie's on Main, Lillian Axe, Twist, four-way stop, getting excited, uh, working on shirts now. Be a couple other promotional things we're working on, too. We're trying to get all that stuff done. Today is uh, i got to go down and meet with Lillian's booking agent and uh, make the first payment on uh, on their fee. Hotel rooms are booked. Catering's been arranged. we got a lot done in less than a week's time. We went from, hey, this is an idea, to this is a real thing. And then uh, next week, we'll set up ticketing and then put those tickets on sale. And, so, and they're going to go quickly. And uh, see, here's the thing, too, that I don't know that maybe some of our folks understand. Lillian Axe is from Louisiana, right? And so they have a huge following down there, as they do in Mississippi. Stevie Blaze lived in Jackson for a while, married a girl from Louisville, Mississippi. So they've got a lot of fans in both places. Well, you know, this Facebook post and social media stuff that I've shared, the band has now shared it, too. So you have fans you know, from down around Louisiana and around the southeastern region that uh, are, are planning to come. So we're talking about a 500 or so number of tickets. So it's going to go very quickly. So I will give you some advance notice of when tickets are going to go on sale as best I can. I'm going to get with everybody next week and we'll get all that set up, and then we're going to put them up for sale. But you need to be prepared. There is only going to be online ticketing for the show. You're not going to be able to show up the day of the show and say, hey, here's my my money. Let me go to the show. Because I assure you, it is going to sell out before the day of the show. So be prepared. Online ticketing only. Now, as I say that, and we'll write it, and we'll promote it, and we'll share it on social media, and everything will be out there. There will be people the day of the show that show up that want to get in. Let me tell you, the chances of that happening are slim and none. So understand that right out of the gate. You need to buy your tickets online. Uh, and it's going to be real easy, real convenient. So we'll get all that information to you 
It's been a whirlwind. I've slept really well this week because I've been exhausted at the end of every day. I uh, want to give a, a shout-out to uh, Discount Building Materials here in Starkville and William Wells Automotive and Tire Repair for becoming sponsors of the show of, the, uh, of, of Rock Vegas. A lot of people have been ext- extremely generous. I've had some individuals that have reached out and said, you know what, Steve, I don't have a business, but um, you know, I want to help contribute. What can I do to help? It's been amazing. Really gets me excited about next year, too. And as soon as we get done with this one, we'll start thinking about next year. Because, you know, if you want to book national recording artists, more times than not, you got to do it well in advance. If I didn't have a relationship with Lillian Axe, we might not be able to do this one. So we're going to give plenty of time. And so it's going to be a rock show again next year. I don't know if we go to Hobie's or if we go to the amphitheater, but we're going to do a rock show next year. It's going to require a little more planning. Going to need to... Uh, have some more sponsors, all that kind of stuff. So we'll get all of it done, but it's been exciting. I'm happy to bring something great to Starkville. You know, I love living. This is my home. I'm not just passing through. This is my home, and I want to help local businesses. I want to help our Starkvillians, our our residents, our neighbors. I want people to have a good time. And we have such a great time with Mississippi State Athletics it's nice every once in a while to have something a little bit different. And I'm, I'm not going to sit here and sit in judgment of anybody else for how, you know, what they do, you know, for entertainment and that, that kind of stuff. But uh, nothing excites me more uh, than going to a rock show. And so to be able to pull a cool, a cool rock band like Lillian Axe here and then give these young bands four-way stop and twist a chance to play in front of a really great crowd uh, is, is something that uh, I'm very excited about. So plan ahead. We're getting there. I mean, I think come first of the week, next week, we'll, all the arrangements will be made and everything will be paid for. And then we're just going to be waiting for uh, for the date to get here. And uh, it's going to be cool. I mean, I, I don't like to put my name on anything that I'm not proud of. And so I'm doing a lot of things behind the scenes, coming out of my own pocket with some money to get some certain things done because I want things done a certain way. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm just a guy that's promoting the show and um, you know collecting money and then paying money to to get this band here. And so we're going to do what we can to uh, raise money for the NIL efforts of uh, Mississippi State and student athletes here. It's going to be a great time. Probably got room for one more sponsor. You know, it's like I thought about it. There's some things. You know, there's some incidental expenses and things like that to come up, but um, probably got room for one more. So if you're interested, uh, reach out to me and let me know. I've got to get, I've got to prove proofs on these shirts here in the next week or so. And the way this thing is going to work, we're going to have an, we're only going to, we're going to do a limited number of shirts too, because I don't want to take away from the band merch sales, right? But I do want to have a shirt to kind of commemorate the event. And so we're only going to probably do about a hundred of those. And then there'll be, you know, point of purchase at the venue. But, uh, we can have a, we've got an amazing logo and, um, we're going to put some things out there uh, and then have all our sponsors listed on the back. So it's going to be a high-quality thing. We just want to do something really cool. We want to make sure that everybody is well-represented and that our sponsors, of course, get a lot of traction from uh, from their involvement. And what's so funny, too, is like everybody I've talked to, it's like, I was like, well, here's what I'm going to do. Hey, hey, Steve, don't worry about it. Well, here's what I'm going to do, though. What, Steve, we just want to support this. We want to support Starkville. But we are going to take care of those vendors, and we are going to take care of those sponsors, and we're going to make sure that uh, – Everybody gets well represented and that, that uh, hopefully they get some business from this as well. But uh, it's incredible how generous people have been 
I mean, honestly, I mean, it's just one of those things you look at, and, and I, think that, I think Starkville is hungry for something like this. I, I really do, and I think that's some evidence. And, uh, you know, spoke some, with uh, some Mississippi State staffers in recent days, and uh, I think they're kind of amazed at how quickly this has all come together. But uh, I'm excited about it. You should be, too. We'll have more information uh, as we go. Again, this all started on Monday. Here we are on Friday, and we're basically uh, – the finish line is in sight as far as preparation goes. So a couple more meetings we've got to have, and we'll be done. And, uh, again, I'm, I'm going to finish this show up, and i got to get on the road to go pick up a couple more uh, sponsor checks and then go meet with uh, Lillian's booking agent to, uh, to get this first payment made. And, then there, and that's the bulk of it. So – Anyway, be, be mindful of that as you make plans. That is the Friday night before the Texas A&M game. All right, let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I love Bulldog Burger Company. I hope to get in there in the next few days. It's a busy weekend for me. Uh, but I love Bulldog Burger Company. You should too. If you don't, it's probably because you haven't really had the experience of sitting down and putting your feet under a table at Bulldog Burger Company. Because you're going to be an immediate fan. Be sure and go and check them out. Three locations to serve you, University Drive and Star Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, and the newest one, Lake Harbor Drive there in the Richmond Flowood area. And I, I don't think that's going to be the last one. I mean, this has been incredible. I mean, honestly. Honestly, you, have, you start a burger joint here in Starkville, next thing you know, you start expanding, and uh, it's just kind of growing like gangbusters. I mean, people love Bulldog Burger Company, and it's not just because of the, the hamburgers. The restaurant-quality hamburgers are, are incredible. But you get those uh, that sweet heat chicken sandwich. You get those sloppy Joe sliders. You get that BLT salad. There's a lot to choose from there. It's not just hamburgers, even though I think the hamburgers are the main draw. There's a lot to choose from on that menu. Great food, great service, great atmosphere, great portions. A lot of people are adding charges and reducing your portions, not Bulldog Burger Company. There is integrity in pricing when you step into that establishment. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, before we get into practice support, let me remind you too. Uh, I'm leaving today to get down to Jackson to take care of this business, but I'm staying overnight because uh, I am at the Mississippi Book Festival tomorrow. Very honored to be on that uh, panel, the sports panel. Unfortunately, uh, former Ole Miss Chancellor Robert Kayat didn't appear that he is going to be able to make it. Wish him the best. Uh, but... Um, Going to be the sports legend panel. We're going to sit there and talk about, uh, you know, the sports legends in Mississippi uh, college athletics. I'm excited to do it. It's an honor to be selected to be a part of this. And um, this is the third time that I have been asked to do this. Uh, the second time was back during COVID and they ended up just not doing it. You know, they did a virtual thing or whatever. And that just, you know, we didn't do it. So I'm honored to be selected. And I want to thank everybody involved in that process. My panel in the state capitol building um, is 9.30. And then we'll do a signing at the signing tent at 11. So we'll go in. Neil White's on the panel, a couple other people. We're going to have a discussion. It's going to be great. And then we'll go sign books. And then the day is over, the work day. And then uh, I'll go grab something to eat. And then I'm headed over to Martin's to watch uh, the band Twist play. Twist will be on our bill. Uh, at Rock Vegas. So eager to go see those guys play. I've, I've heard them play several times as I get uh, regular recordings. Even yesterday, I uh, got a video of them playing Killing in the Name of by Rage Against the Machine. So eager to see them play live and in person. 
and have a chance to talk to them about this great uh, show that we've got coming to Starkville September 30th. All right, let's uh, let's take a look now at uh, yesterday. So Mississippi State fall camp is winding down. Things are getting a little uh, chippy, shall we say. There hadn't been any incidents or anything like that. I mean, we're just talking some woofing and things like that. But we're getting down to the, the final stages of camp, and, and, it's, and it's a grind. I mean, you know, it's six days a week, right? You get the mandatory day off, but uh, those six days, you're all coming a row, right? It's <laughs> just kind of how life works. But we're down at the end, and uh, you can tell guys are just kind of ready for things to, to move forward. You know, it's like, okay, we've done this. We've been hitting on each other for a while. And Zach Arnett is unrelenting. He absolutely, he just is. Zach Arnett is highly motivated, very competitive guy. Zach never takes a playoff. They're always bringing heat. They're always changing things up. Really putting a lot of pressure on the offensive line. And, and they, they need to, right? Because the offensive line, if you don't see it in practice, how will you ever handle it in the game? But if you don't know your assignments on Zach Arnett's defense – uh, let's just say he's going to say something, right? And so yesterday, I thought Zach was very demonstrative. I mean, I thought he was very, very, very emotional yesterday. Um, and he's always kind of running at full speed. But yesterday was a little different deal. Like, there was a lot more accountability. And, of course, we're getting down in the end, at the end of camp now. Install's been done, right? I mean, you know, it's not like you're you shouldn't be guessing at this point. There were a couple guys, too, that were a little bit late to the spot or maybe missed an assignment. And Zach addressed it. That's as nicely as I can put it. Zach addressed it. And I think as a result, the defense itself kind of matched and mirrored his emotion level. And I still think the offense won yesterday. And I think you know, Zach is the ultra competitor. Defense one last week, they were competitive, but I thought defense really had the better week. This week, without question, it's been the offense. In a couple of days, it's been really bad, where the offense has really dominated practice. I thought yesterday was, was even. Off, offense was ahead for a while, but after Zach kind of uh, told people how to cow ate the cabbage, the defense kind of pulled even. I don't know how it ended, because they ended up in goal line. I don't remember the, hearing the, the final score. They keep scoring practice, and it's it's not like what you would expect. It's not touchdowns, but it's like, you know, big plays, impact plays, PBUs, um, you know, things like that. The, the scoring system is not like traditional football. They're just things that Mike Leach has kind of set a point value to, and then the, the two sides go chase that. And so it was very competitive yesterday. But I thought the offense, again, had another good day. So today will be kind of a light walkthrough practice, and uh, I won't be there. We'll have full coverage, though. Uh, Mike Nemeth, Dave Murray will be there. And then there is the scrimmage uh, this weekend. And then that's it for our availability for pre-camp, uh, for preseason camp. Then we will be able to interview players and coaches after practice, but uh, starting next week is the, the mock week. And so what that means basically is it's a dress rehearsal. We're going to kind of get into uh, the game flow. And a lot of that, too, is just to make sure that we've got everything addressed, right? It's not just the team, but it's everybody involved, all the staffers, all the support people. And, and that's one thing, too, guys. I'll, I'll share with you this. I don't know all of these individuals' names. I see their faces, and um, there are a lot of, of, of students and a lot of young people 
that are out there doing a job for Mississippi State football that are going to never get their name in the paper. You know, you have people out there running down footballs and people filling up water bottles and you have you know, people, you know, addressing issues and doing things, you know, basically to ensure that the, the team doesn't have to stop practice. Now, those people will never, ever, ever, ever be recognized at Davis Wade Stadium. They'll never have their name in a program. They're never going to have a highlight video, but they are an integral part of what we do. And again, I don't know your names, but thank you for your service to Mississippi State. And I know there are a lot of people that would love to be in that opportunity to be out there and just be around the team and help. But I tell you what, these young people, they do a professional job. They do. It's not out there. They're not there fanboying and fangirling. They're out there doing a good job. And uh, they have my respect. And I wanted to recognize them on the show. I wish I had a list of their names. I would share it to their families and those that love them. I would have a moment to be proud of them, and they should be. But I was struck by that yesterday. I mean, it's not any cooler for them than it is for the rest of us, right? I mean, it's, it's hot out there. I, I never hear anybody, any people complain. But they're, they're young people out there that uh, they have my respect. And there, there's so many times, you know, when you know, a football would get loose after practice or after a play, there's an overthrow or defensive play or whatever. And they're on it, man. I mean, they, they do a really good job. And there are young people all around the country that are doing this kind of thing, but I wanted to recognize ours today. So, now, all that said, let's take a couple – there's been some position battles. There, the depth chart, for the most part, has been – I hate to say set, but I think there was a lot of carryover, you know, from the spring. Now, Corey Ellington – was elevated earlier this week to the first team safeties. And uh, I don't think that uh, last, you know, I think he's a guy that uh, he didn't have a great day yesterday. I thought he was really good. My days begin to run together. Uh, but I thought he was good earlier this week when he was running. I guess it was Tuesday before we had the day off. I thought he was really good, and uh, Jalen Green was running second team. But uh, yesterday, Ellington ha- had some struggles at times, and mainly it was with mental errors, not physical errors. You know, like the, the, he got out of position a couple times, um, especially late. And so that's something that we'll watch as we kind of move forward. I, I think in the end, Jalen Green is going to be the starter, and maybe Zach Arnett's trying to send a message to uh, – to Jalen Green by demoting him second team. But th- these are the things that happen in fall camp. It doesn't mean that the guys aren't playing well. Sometimes, uh, you know, other people just kind of elevate their game and have a better week. That's why you, it's called a, a position battle. That's why you have competition. But if yesterday was any indication, I think Corey Ellington's run with the ones is probably a little bit short-lived, not to say that he won't be a starter next year. He may end up being a starter at some point this year. I mean, like if Jalen Green eases up, Ellington will be back in the starting lineup. But uh, you saw last year as a freshman, uh, Corey Ellington earned some playing time. So we have we have some high hopes for him. And I tell you, I, I posted a picture of him yesterday uh, with an article that, that we had written. But um, he is a good-looking player. I, I shared with you guys before, he kind of reinvented himself. But uh, that's something to kind of watch as we get into the release of the official depth chart. And let me, let me go ahead and say this, too, if you know Mike Leach. All of that should be taken with a grain of salt. A lot of people are going to play for Mike Leach. A lot. 
But also, too, those depth charts more times than not are filled out by, like, by an SID, you know, just kind of their, their best guesstimate. And, and in some respects, entertainment value only. It doesn't matter what's on the two-deep chart when we get into the ball game, right? This is just kind of how the game's going to start. Um, but let's just kind of run through some of this, you know, real quick here. Obviously, Will Rogers is the, uh, you know, the undisputed starter. And I think Sawyer Robertson has had some good days in camp, but I think it's, it's apparent, too, that Sawyer needs some more seasoning, but that Will Rogers is certainly the starter. I think the running back situation remains as it has been. It's, you know, it's DJ and, and Woody. I think Simeon Price is right there. I think Simeon Price is absolutely right there. Him and Hargrove both are going to play some this year. If I had to call it today, i say Price is third team. All right, offensive line-wise, that's still – I don't know that I would say it's officially over – but I think at this point you should expect Quatravius Johnson to be the left tackle, Nick Jones to be the left guard, LaQuinson Sharp to be the center, Albert Reese to be the right guard, and Cam Jones to be the right tackle. Now Cole Smith could factor in there too. The thing with Nick Jones and Cole Smith is still kind of back and forth, but I have seen Nick Jones get more of the first-team rep as of late. you got to get basically seven or eight ready to play, and I think obviously you feel really good that Cole can get you some quality snaps. And so I think you probably feel like you've got six right now. LaSoya is interesting. You know, he's a guy that came in, we thought could potentially be a right tackle, slides to guard. Now he's working second team center. But uh, I think we know what the five is going to look like. I don't. I think we're pretty much settled with every bit of that. Um, Cole Smith could play either one of those guard spots, too. So, don't think for one second that, uh, you know, Cole's uh, not in the mix because he is. Really, any of those interior spots Cole could play. And it's good to have a guy like that. You know, it's got some flexibility for you. All right, wide receiver, it's – this is one of those things, too, that is uh, rather interesting. I think we, we have a pretty good handle on who the first-team guys are. I think the second-team guys are still somewhat up for grabs. Caleb Ducking, to me, has been the best Z throughout the process. And Jordan Mosley, I think, has come on in recent weeks. I think he has secured that second-team spot. Antonio Harmon is going to play a lot, too. Xavier Thomas is also playing out there. I, I don't know how much he plays this year. I don't know if you want to waste a year on him considering the depth you have. Wide receiver is uh, Jameer Calvin. However, I think Jaden Wiley has probably had the better camp. So I could see you, – you're going to see them both a lot, right, because we're going to play eight receivers. But I think Jaden th- – I wouldn't be surprised to see Jaden Wiley be the, quote, first team wide receiver – for whatever that's worth. I mean, because you almost play them both equally. X, it's rah-rah. I think Rara looks bigger, faster, stronger, more explosive, more committed. Not that he was wasn't last year, but I think uh, now that he's got a year of experience under his belt, I think Rara, I think Rara could be the breakout guy. A lot of people have said, Steve, who's going to be the go-to guy? I honestly think it could be Rara. If I had to pin an award on the most improved wide receiver of the fall, I think it's Rara. With an honorable mention to Caleb Ducking. Caleb Ducking has been really good in camp. Really good in camp. 
the age receivers, Austin Williams, and then, of course, you've got some guys behind him. Scooby Ford's been down the depth chart a little bit, but he's been hurt. But uh, he's been good in recent days. And, of course, you say, well, where's Tulu? I, you know, Tulu's running second team. I think Rufus. Uh, Justin Robinson also in there, too, uh, at X. But we're going to play a lot of receivers, play eight or nine guys. All right, get into the defensive side of the football. I think that, again, I think this is a group, by and large, outside of a couple of secondary spots, I think it's pretty much a lot of carryover. Now, Jordan Davis, DeMonte Russell, both of those guys are going to be on the field at times together. Um this kind of depends on formations, right? I think when you go to an all-out passing drill, you, you probably want to find a way to get those guys on there. But um, they have been competing that defensive end spot. I like both of those guys. I, I think DeMonte is uh, kind of finally realizing his potential. And his younger brother may not play a lot this year. Don Terry Russell is, is explosive. Explosive. Now he needs to get in the weight room, and he's done. He's good, done a good job adding weight since he's been here. But that's a guy who's going to be basically a seven tech on third and fifteen. You put him out there, and there's no way that most offensive tackles are going to be able to contain that guy. Um, Deontay Anderson also in the mix too. But I, if I had to say it today, it's probably Jordan Davis or Demonte Russell, and that's one of those things too that's been. Um, been one of those things, you know, that it's kind of been something to watch in camp. And uh, DeMonte wore the yellow jersey yesterday, but he'll be back. Don't worry about him. But um, Cameron Young, I tell you this, every practice, every practice, at the end of every practice, there are two guys every practice that get stopped by NFL scouts. Most days it's – three, maybe four guys. But the two guys that always get stopped are Darcel McBath and Jeff Phelps. It's going to be a really good draft for Mississippi State this year. And maybe mostly probably middle-round guys. I think at this point maybe Emmanuel Forbes is probably probably the highest draft pick in this team for this class. But Jeff Phelps is going to get absolutely overrun with calls about his guys. Cameron Young – just kind of talking to some scouts out there, you know, just kind of, you know, shooting the breeze. They love Cameron Young. Is he a third rounder, fourth rounder? Is he a mid-round guy? Yeah. But this is a guy, too, that, uh, again, Bob Shoup told me during his redshirt freshman year, Shoup tells me this guy's going to be the next great Mississippi State defensive line story. And he is. And I don't know that even some of our fans appreciate how good he is. There are some days out there he's absolutely unblockable. You say, well, Steve, y'all said that about Tyrus Wheat and Jordan. Yeah, we did. That guy's a tone setter, man. I can get off blocks, get in gaps. Got some young guys behind him, Jevin Banks, of course, Calvin Dinkins. But uh, Cam Young is a dude. Randy Charlton, I thought Randy had a really good day at camp yesterday too. And, and sometimes you, you know, he's almost kind of the forgotten guy sometimes. And you know, people forget that he played uh, basically whatever we needed him to play last year. 
And, of course, Nathan Pickering's a guy that can, can play multiple spots, kind of plug and play with him. But Nathan Pickering looks like we expected him to look. He looks like an NFL guy. Really committed himself. He's dropped a little bit weight, tightened up, looks stronger. I love this defensive front. Now, are they as good as that 18 defensive front? I, I don't know that I'd go that far because that was a pretty special group. He had two first-rounders on that group. This is the best group since then. And these guys could have played with those guys. It's a very talented group. And, and what's interesting, too, is if you kind of look up and down here, a lot, of, a lot of these guys weren't highly recruited. Maybe moderately recruited, but you, know, you didn't have like a Jeff Simmons in this deal. And people forget Montez Sweat. We, you know, we didn't have to fight a lot of people for him. You got some guys kind of in that same vein. You know, and it kind of just came to Mississippi State. But when I began to think about, you know, what those three down linemen look like, and then Ty Weed out there on the edge. That's a very imposing group. That's potentially four NFL guys right there across the front. All right, speaking of Ty Weed and linebackers, Ty Weed has been, I think, really this linebacker group, there's not really any question who the, started, the starters are. Again, you bring everybody back, kind of carry things over. But uh, Tyrus Weed going to be your Sam. And, again, I think Tyrus benefits from having Jordan Davis and some other guys back, some experienced guys. I think Tyrus Wheat's a guy that could be a special player having a special season for us because I don't, you're not going to be able to double him like you did last year. Sherman Tim's running second team, and Sherm looks great. Uh, he really does. And, um, you know, final ride for him, I'll tell you what a story it's been. You know, multiple state championships at Indianola Academy. All-state player, walks on, had opportunities to get scholarships other places, came here, walked on. It was his dream to play at Mississippi State. Now he's a two-deeper. You know, forget in 2020, you know, he just kind of elevated his game, made the move from special teams to uh, a two-deeper on defense, and they've moved him around a little bit. But, uh, you know, that's a guy that can give some quality reps too behind Tyra Sweet. But, uh, you know, Sherman's a guy too, kind of a profile and, and persistence, man. I really respect that guy. Uh, John Lewis has, has shown some flashes, too. I don't know that he's quite ready. Uh, Ty Cooper, of course, uh, has shown some flashes, too. And that's the thing, too. You start running down this group. We talked about trying to find some depth. You've got talent. You've got athleticism. It's just a matter of finding some consistency, right? You know what Bookie Watson can do. You know, J.P. Purvis and Nick Mitchell have both battled in there. Nick was running third team yesterday. J.P. was running second team. Now, J.P. is a phenomenal athlete. Guy can really run, and he looks like a linebacker. And again, they tell me he's finally beginning to trust himself that he's healthy. You know, he had that horrific car accident, and um, some people could have died in that thing. But uh, JP back and looks to be having fun out there, and I think that makes a big difference. And of course, Jet Johnson's your your weak side backer. That's why Aaron Brule is at Michigan State. And there's Deshaun Page. I thought Deshaun looked good yesterday too. So we had talked throughout the camp, and we discussed it a little bit on uh, Wednesday show. Linebacker depth. I don't know that there's a big gap between the second and third team guys, other than the experience piece. But as far as like an athleticism piece, I, I would say that the younger guys are like the next generation of backers as starters. I don't think they're just going to ride the uh, the depth chart. I, I think 
you know, John Lewis, Jave Gilmore, Avery Sledge, those guys, uh, Cleve Moore, those guys are going to be that next wave of great linebackers, kind of like when we signed Buki Watts and Jed Johnson and Aaron Brule. We all saw it early on. It's like it's just a matter of, the, of time before these guys take over. But I believe we've addressed the depth issue. You know, I, I just – obviously you want to play your starters, but you've got to be able to get them a blow, a blow every now and again. You've got to be able to get them some rest. Deshaun Page, the way that he has come on, has made me feel a little better about this. All right, we talked about it a little bit earlier in the show, but the safety spots, you know, for, for much of the um, – much of camp, it's been – Colin Duncan, Jackie Matthews, and Jalen Green. That's been your safeties. The shakeup this week, of course, with Ellington, you know, moving to first team, Jalen Green moving down. That's really the only movement we've seen. Now, Trent Singleton, Wesley Miller, they're out there running around making some plays too. The future's bright with those guys. But you pretty much have got this thing settled. I thought Sean Preston had a good day at camp yesterday. Jordan Morant, running third team right now. Not to say that he couldn't play multiple spots, but, you know, this is a guy that just got here in June, so he's still kind of figuring this thing out. But uh, I like the mix here. I think it's one of those deals, too, where I think how Ellington plays maybe Saturday could kind of go a long way in, in selling things down. I think that's probably a fair a fair assessment there. All right, and finally we'll look at corner. No real surprises here, obviously. Emmanuel Forbes is holding his spot down. The Cameron Richardson still holding off Marcus Banks, but Banks had a great quarterback sack yesterday on a delayed corner blitz. They timed it up perfect, and it was it was beautiful. It, it was beautiful in its execution. Even the offensive players kind of you know all right they got us. All right, running second team, Marcus Banks, of course, right there behind DCAM. Furge and DeCarlos Nicholson are kind of battling it out to back up Emmanuel Forbes. And Forbes plays a ton of snaps. You know, people forget, you know, Darcy McBath plays his corners a lot. I guess it was back in 2020 that uh, – I think that's correct. I think it was 2020 where um, the corners, both of them – I. I Martin Emerson, I think, played the most snaps of all defensive players. You know, we had uh, Ferb started out, and then Forbes eventually took over. But uh, Martin Emerson played the most snaps, I think, with the exception of one lineman. He was like the second most snaps. So there's not a lot of reps, I guess, when the game is on the line. But I think we've got more depth there than we've had. Uh, Hunter Washington has actually flashed some in, in practice this week. And I, I think that's, again, this is a guy that got here late. But I think he's a guy that can help us too. I talked about a David Collins too. They call him AC. But uh, long, lean guy has really made some plays. Uh, but that, that's kind of how things look now. So I, I, think, I think the lineup for the most part is set. And when you consider the rotation at wide receiver, it's probably not as important maybe as it is in some other positions. But I think, you know, there just hasn't been a lot of um, upheaval on the depth chart. I would say Jordan Mosley moving ahead of Antonio Harmon and then this thing with Corey Ellington and Jalen Green, that's been the only things that we've really had to kind of monitor here as of late because I think Dollar Bill has locked down the left tackle spot. Now we just got to get through these next couple weeks healthy and go play a football game. 
All right, time for today's top 10 list brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. Blair Chandler is a mortgage professional, a guy that's been in the game for a long time, 21 years of experience. Top 1% close ratio in the country, two years running. Works for Fairway Mortgage. Recently voted number one in customer satisfaction when it came to mortgage loan origination. Blair's a guy that knows how to get things done. Here's the deal, too. And maybe you say, Steve, you know, we've tried before. It just hasn't worked out. You know, Blair's a guy, too, that, that can be your advocate with underwriting. He's not going to structure a loan that doesn't have a chance of getting approved. Right? There are a lot of people out there, well, let's just take your application and we'll just, you know, throw up a bunch of stuff against the wall and hope something sticks. This guy's a professional. Reach out to Blair at CloseWithBlair.com or let me give you his uh, cell number. How about that? 601-500-2344. Again, 601-500-2344. And say, hey, Blair, listen, here's the deal. I've tried in the past. I want to buy a home for my family. I'm tired of renting. Or maybe you need to refinance. Maybe you need to get some equity out, get it working for you. If anybody can get it done, it's going to be Blair Chandler. A lot of people want your business. Blair has earned your business. He's also a longtime Mississippi State fan, has a place here in Starkville. Um, you know, a guy, too, that's a multiple sport season ticket holder. But it doesn't matter if you root for the Bulldogs or root for Southern Miss or some other school. If you just mention to him you heard about him on the show, say, hey, Blair, I heard about you on the boneyard. He's going to pay for your appraisal. It's about a $500 value. Longtime friend of mine. And will be a great friend to you. That's Blair Chandler at CloseWithBlair.com. All right, so I kind of teased this last week, and we took a little while to get to it because, in case you didn't know, I decided to uh, help put on a rock show. So, kind of move some things back. But uh, we've had a couple requests for this, and the last the last one that I remember before Roy brought it back to my attention was right after we had done some Van Halen stuff. And so today we're doing Sammy Hagar non-Van Halen stuff. Now, we could probably put a great list together of Van Hagar, but we've already done that, right? We've already done that. So here are the top 10 Sammy Hagar, and I hate to call them solo songs because one of these is with Chickenfoot, one is with Montrose, and uh, the rest of them are Sammy as a solo artist. But Sammy was highly acclaimed and highly respected in the rock community before he joined Van Halen. And when he did... There were a lot of people, you know, they were upset about David Lee Roth leaving, but I think most of us were kind of intrigued to see how this is going to work. And personally, I thought, hey, now all of a sudden Eddie has somebody to play rhythm. So what does that mean kind of going forward, you know, for Eddie? What does that mean for his soloing? You know, what's that mean for the live show? So it was interesting. But here we go, top 10 Sammy Hagar songs out of Van Halen, outside of Van Halen. Number 10. From Chickenfoot, which uh, I can't remember who played drums for them, but Joe Satriani was a guitar player. Michael Anthony was a bass player. Um, oh, yeah. The song Oh, Yeah from Chickenfoot is number 10. Number nine from the solo stuff, it's Three Lock Box. And, again, Sammy likes to do these uh, vocal lead-ins, and this is a really good one. Like that opening riff, too. Number eight, this was a huge song for Sammy, and it doesn't get played on the radio anymore. But it's Give to Live from the solo stuff. And uh, I think it's one of those songs, too. I think it's one of Sammy's shining moments as a vocalist. 
And I don't know that people fully appreciate that song very much. All right, number seven from Montrose, because Sammy has been in several bands in addition. You know, Montrose is really where I think more people kind of discovered him, and then he went solo after that. But it's the song Rock Candy. Maybe you've heard it. Maybe you didn't know that it was Montrose. Maybe you thought it was a Sammy Hagar original joint. It's not. Number six, a lot of people love this song. It's mainly motorcycle riders. But it's a good track. It's a good driving rock song. It's a little dated, if I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know that this one has kind of held up the way that some other stuff has in his catalog, but it's Bad Motor Scooter. Number five, it's the anthemic rocking Mas Tequila. And and Sammy had uh, his own branding with that. And then they had the Cabo Wabo Cantina. You know, it's, that's off OU812. And, and good for Sammy for using some good branding there. But uh, they get out and play. They get out and sing. And there's a live version of the song. It's really, really good. It makes me want to be there. I don't want to drink. I just would like to be in the scene as they're get, getting that done. So Mas Tequila, number five. Number four, great track. And we've all been there. We've all felt this at some point for another person, whether it worked out or not. It's your love is driving me crazy. Now, that can be a little double entendre in that, right? Because maybe sometimes you're in those relationships. Not always beneficial. Maybe the person's a little bit um, insecure, a little bit smothering, a little needy. It'll drive you crazy. It absolutely will. All right, number three. We had a, uh, we had a, a cartoon that was incredible one time. A bunch of cartoons that were incredible. We had uh, Heavy Metal, the movie, and uh, Sammy Hagar had the title track on that soundtrack, Heavy Metal, number three. I don't know that it was really the song itself was Heavy Metal, even though it's titled Heavy Metal. It's just, it's really more rock than it is Heavy Metal. And I don't know that Sammy was ever really a metal artist, if we're being fair about it. I think Sammy, even his solo stuff from the early to mid-'80s, still holds up today, most of it. Because it's just straight ahead rock and roll. And that's kind of how I see, uh, you know, a lot of these tracks. Heavy Metal is one of them. Number two, there's only one way to rock. And I agree with you, Sammy. There is only one way to rock. Hi, Bulldog fans. Our friends from Tecovis want to remind you that uh, it's festival season. It's concert season. It's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort, so no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand-new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tacovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. 
The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Which is where we're going to rock it, Rock Vegas. This is one of those driving songs, too. You kind of put it on to turn, kind of turn it up, and it kind of sneaks up on you a little bit. Next thing you know, you're driving too fast. you got to have your cruise control set. That's one of the things I like about the Sammy Solo stuff. The composition of the songs, it's very up-tempo. It's in your face. It has an edge. This is one of those. But number one, and what else could it be? I mean, I think everybody bought this cassette or this album for this one song. And, and you got surprised because there was some other good stuff on that album. But nothing, nothing as good as this. The video is incredible. If you haven't seen it, you should turn it on. Sammy being a frustrated driver. It's I Can't Drive 55. That used to be the speed limit just about everywhere. And then they raised it. And thank goodness they did. But uh, I Can't Drive 55, it is uh, it is a great song. And there is like a story within the song and these little anecdotes and stuff. I, I think it is absolutely phenomenal. The riff is incredible. The vocal is incredible. The premise of the song is incredible. And I think Sammy's one of those guys, too, that just kind of gives us driving music because that's probably he's probably like me and you, listens to uh, music in the car to kind of help pass the time. But uh, Sammy's done a lot of great things, and I think in some respects that he has been unfairly maligned by a lot of hardcore Van Halen fans. I think some of Eddie's best work was with Sammy. And that sounds sacrilegious, right? Oh, well, how could that be? You know, I think if you're objective about it, I think if you open your mind, and you go like if you go listen to that OU812 album, and 5150 was amazing too. But I think what we saw, I think Eddie, number one, the evolution as a player was incredible. But I think Sammy helped bring out things beyond shredding. I think Eddie, I think riffing got better later in his career. I think it's because of the fact that that he had more skills. And I think the fact that he had Sammy to kind of play a little cover live allowed him to be a little more innovative, I guess we could say. But there are a lot of people that just like swear off those Van Halen records. And I just just think you're doing yourself a disservice. It doesn't, it doesn't hurt you to put those, those albums on and give them a chance because I think they're phenomenal. Now, things didn't end well. They didn't, but Sammy is a huge part of the Van Halen legacy, and uh, I respect it. I know it's fun to say, oh, I don't like Van Hagar. Dude, I tell you, like, like I can't stop loving you from Van Halen with Sammy on vocals. That, that is such a phenomenal song, I, and I don't care who you are or where you're from. You put that song on, you're going to respond. I, I dig it. I think you should too. But uh, again, tip of the cap to Sammy Hagar and his contributions to the soundtrack of our lives. If you have ideas for the top 10 list, reach out and let us know. Hit up Roy on Twitter at Dogmatic67. That's A at D A W G M A T I C 67. You can also find our great list on Spotify. Just be a follower of Roy, and these things will just certainly just, you know, right there. You pull up your Spotify, boom, there's a list. We appreciate Roy's contributions to the show. Roy also, too, had, had a couple job interviews yesterday. So those of you that have been kind of hopeful, kind of offering some thoughts and prayers to our, our buddy, uh, looks like he's close. 
Like, he's close. He's had a couple of second interviews, so uh, he's closing in on something. And, uh, you know, plan hadn't closed yet, but it, we're pulling for him uh, to get an opportunity uh, sooner rather than later, obviously. We don't want him to have to sit around and be stressed about that. So, Roy's my friend, and I uh, wish the best for him. I know you guys do as well. Roy's a big part of our show. You never hear his voice, but I can tell you uh, there's nobody that um, – wants the show and wants a top 10 list to do better than, than Roy Samanti. I can promise you that. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart. I was there yesterday. I, I'm amazed at the selection there. They've done such a good job outfitting that store since they moved the bully shop upstairs. Go by and check them out when you're in town. Miss Kathy Brown and Campus Bookmart, they're going to help us with uh, Rock Vegas too. They're going to be one of our sponsors. And so we appreciate them, their contributions to making Mississippi rock again. Go by and check them out. And if you can't make it to town, visit them on the World Wide Web, courtesy of Al Gore's Internet, at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. Okay, today's SEC preview is South Carolina. We've only got three of these left after today. So next week, we'll wrap up those previews. And you know what? Then we're going to be in game week. How exciting is that? So South Carolina, not on the Mississippi State schedule today, but uh, there are a lot of Mississippi State folks that have a rooting interest in South Carolina because of Shane Beamer. We all love Shane Beamer. We do. There were a lot of people that uh, were surprised that he got that job. But congratulations to Shane and uh, really kind of overachieved last year. And I think that's one of those things you look at, too. You wonder, you know, kind of was it fool's gold? Well, you know, I think Shane did a good job on the recruiting trail. And, of course, they go get Spencer Rattler out of the transfer portal. So that's a difference maker at quarterback. So it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Let's look back at last year, though. They opened the year with a 46 nothing win over Eastern Illinois. The next week, a game that I didn't think they'd win – but they did. They go on the road to beat East Carolina 20-17. to So a great start to the Shane Beamer era there in Columbia. The next week, they lose to Georgia. No, no shame in that. They lose 40-13. to The next week, they nearly pull off the upset of Kentucky 16-10. Very hard-fought game. And if South Carolina had a little bit better uh, quarterback play, then uh, they probably win the game as people message me. Uh, they bounce back the next week with a 2-2 two and two record and take down Troy, 23-14. Again, quarterback play was a little bit iffy. You know, they had some, had some guys beat up last year, and Shane and those guys kind of strung it together. So 23-14 winners makes them 3-2. and two. I wasn't sure how many more games they would win after that. I just, I just don't know. And they surprised me. The next week, though, another loss to even a record of 3-3. Three and three. The Tennessee Volunteers beat them 45-20. The game really not very competitive. And then they sneak by Vanderbilt 21-20. Vanderbilt very easily could have won this game. They didn't. South Carolina made the plays in the fourth quarter to win. So now all of a sudden you've evened things up at 4-4. Four and four. And, I, and I really thought – that South Carolina would likely lose out at that point. Is that four and four? That's four and three, excuse me. They go to College Station, Texas. They lose 44-14. That makes them four and four. But I didn't think they'd win another one. They surprise us. 
They, after the bye week, they absolutely dominate the Florida Gators, 40-17. to 17. And that was in Columbia. And, boy, were they living life large at Williams-Brice Stadium that day. It just seemed like everything South Carolina did, Florida had no answer for it. And, again, one of those things, too, that uh, really kind of signified the end of the Dan Mullen era, very talented Florida Gator team pretty much quit on their own season. The next week, South Carolina travels to Missouri, and they lose 31-28. That Tiger defense, in no way whatsoever, you know, considered uh, a top-tier defense. They make some plays late. They win 31-20. The Missouri wins 31-28. So now you're thinking, okay, these guys are 5-5 five and five with two games to play against Auburn and Clemson, a pair of Tigers here. Both of those games in William Bryce Stadium, they sneak by Auburn to achieve bowl eligibility. 21-17. The next week, they get absolutely blasted by Clemson, 30 to nothing. But you know there's going to be postseason football for the Gamecocks. They go to the Dukes-Mayo Bowl, formerly known as the Belk Bowl, and they play North Carolina. Now, I don't know if you know this, but there is a huge rivalry between South Carolina and North Carolina, not just as football programs, but as states. Huge rivalry. So a big win there for Shane Beamer and his staff. So very successful season in many respects, and you're one for Shane. I still believe they benefited from the fact that Florida imploded. And, of course, they won some close ball games. You can say you know, they, they narrowly won those games, but they won them. They still count. But it was kind of an interesting season. The games were either complete blowouts or really close. There was not a lot of uh, you know, middle, middle ground there. I mean, you start looking at these losses. I mean, you lose by 30 to Clemson, uh, lose by 30 to Texas A&M, lose by 25 to Tennessee, uh, lose by 27 to Georgia. You know, so a lot of growing room left to do for South Carolina. And so Shane goes and hits the portal, and Shane hits a recruiting trail really hard. Of course, the big, big, big in-state recruiting win, they, get you, uh, they go get Blanton, you know, from MRA. You know, that was one of those things, too, that uh, up until the very end, I believed he was going to be a Bulldog. Stone Blanton, of course, grew up a Mississippi State kid and then ultimately decides to go to South Carolina and give Shane Beamer and his staff a lot of credit for winning that. And wish Stone the best. It's not against us. Hope he has a great career, meets his wife, gets a college degree, and uh, loves life. But, um, you know, Shane's going to be a factor. In Mississippi recruiting, you know, the Aiden Williams is going to announce on uh, on Sunday, South Carolina, a finalist there, Mississippi State not. So not a lot of style points last year for the Gamecocks, but again, seven wins. It's the same number we had, too. I mean, you look back in hindsight, who would you say had the better year? Well, I, I would say Mississippi State did, but at the end of the day, they won seven, we won seven. All right, so Spencer Rattler, of course, can be a big part of things. They have some offensive skill. And that, that's the thing you look at. It's like you look at this and say, okay, is this a team that can replicate last year's, uh, you know, last year's season? And then possibly. And it's all going to boil down to former Oklahoma quarterback Spencer Rattler. And a lot of people say, you know, hey, this is a guy that's got some, uh, got some baggage. But the guy is incredibly talented. He's a guy, too, that uh, will throw the ball up for grabs. And I, he's not going to have the uh, supporting cast around him, perhaps, talent-wise, that he had at Oklahoma. So his decision-making process has got to be a lot better uh, than it was. And, you know, Shane's a guy, too, that's very level-headed. 
And I think Shane's a guy, too, that doesn't get down on his players. I think as a result, they play hard for him. And I remember last year watching some of these postgame celebrations where uh, Shane got very emotional. You know, I think these guys really responded for him and uh, really kind of validated South Carolina administration's decision to hire him. But this is a South Carolina team in many respects that um, is maybe built to win now. A veteran offensive line that, uh, if I'm not mistaken, returns all five starters, and that's big. And they get a couple of um, you know get a couple of big guys back uh, as reserves too. But uh, they were not good last year against the pass rush. That's got to get better. But perhaps the mobility of Rattler kind of eases that transition a little bit. They do get uh, Wake Forest running back Christian Bill Smith to come in uh, to kind of help you know push this thing along. Um, uh, Marshawn Lloyd, of course, is back. So you got some skill on the offensive side. Uh, Josh Van is a guy that can really play. So we'll see how that goes. But, uh, again, a veteran offensive line, a mobile quarterback, and you have some skill positions and where perhaps you were a little bit deficient, you hit the portal and you got a veteran guy. So this offense could be much improved over a year ago. I'm eager to see these guys play. Now, South Carolina, really good last year against the pass. They were strong in the secondary, pretty good to pass rush, really good at creating turnovers. But here's the reality. Um, A lot of teams were able to kind of line up and run over them. That's got to get better. That's got to get better. And that front seven did have some losses last year. Jordan Birch is a guy they're expecting to kind of step up for them. Uh, Rick Sandage. That's a guy that's going to have to play well for him. Uh, Cam Smith is uh, a guy that's a potential all-SEC candidate. And you get Darius Rush, R.J. Roderick. you got a group out there that's, again, got, got some ability. But it doesn't matter how good your pass defense is if you can't stop the run. Uh, I think this South Carolina team will probably push for bowl eligibility. I don't know if that's a team today you look at and say – yeah, they're absolutely going to make bowl eligibility. So let's look at the schedule and just kind of see how things break loose here. All right, they open up at home against Georgia State. That's a W, right? Then they travel to Arkansas. When you consider the issue South Carolina had stopping the run last year, having to face a run-heavy team like Arkansas in week two is a recipe for a loss. They're going to need some help from Arkansas to win this game. I like the Razorbacks here to make the Gamecocks 1-1. One the next week, you got Georgia at South Carolina. Georgia, again, a run-first team. They like to get very physical at the point of attack. I think Georgia wins this game probably going away. And Again, no shame in that, but that makes you one and two. The next week is a bounce-back win against Charlotte. Now, I would not be the least bit surprised if this game wasn't somewhat competitive, but uh, you got to like the Gamecocks here. You think from a talent differential standpoint, at least on the offensive side of the football, they ought to have the speed and skill to put up some points against the 49ers to get two and two. South Carolina State comes to Columbia the next week, which makes them three and two. Now you're halfway there to bowl eligibility. You go on the road the next week to play Kentucky. A game last year was very competitive, and I'm sure that's what Beamer's telling his guys is, hey, we were one play away. We've addressed that by getting Spencer Rattler and um, addressing some of our needs at, at the skill positions. So this is a competitive game. I, I just think Kentucky, again, is a run-first team. I think that really hurts them. I think it really hurts South Carolina. And that's the thing you look at, you know, in this day of 
you know, the air raid and the forward pass, you know, they're going to get three run-heavy teams in the first six. So they're three and three at the uh, bye week, which comes for them October 15th. Pretty nice place to have your bye in the middle of your schedule. So three and three, needing to get three somewhere. You know, the bad part about this is you don't have a winnable non-conference game down the stretch, which is going to make it difficult to get to six. They host Texas A&M, and it's interesting how that, you know, A&M comes to the league and they play South Carolina every year. That'd make a lot of sense to me, but whatever. I think that's a loss. Again, A&M's going to want to run the football. The Missouri Tigers will travel to Williams-Brice Stadium. That is a real toss-up game. And, again, remember Missouri won the game last year despite their poorest defense. But I like South Carolina here to make the team 4-4. Four and four. Then you go to Vanderbilt. That's a W there. So they're 5-4 and four with three to play. And it's murderer's row from here on out. At Florida, and, and Billy, Billy Napier, while they run the spread offense, they are essentially a power running team. They spread you out and basically run leverage against you. Not to mention the way that South Carolina embarrassed Florida last year. Florida will be waiting in, in wait. Pardon the poor phrasing there. They will be eagerly anticipating the arrival of the South Carolina Gamecocks. All right, so I think that is a loss, which makes you 5-5 five and five or 2 to play. You host Tennessee. I just don't think South Carolina matches up from a talent standpoint. I think Josh Heupel and those guys, provided they stay healthy, are going to do a good job running the football, and I think Hooker is probably going to merge the star this year. So that means you're entering the rivalry game against Clemson at 5-6. and six. Could you pick Columbia? Could you pick the Gamecocks to go win this thing? I think you can't. And so, as a result, I've got South Carolina going 5-7 and seven this year. And, again, last year I thought they were ahead of schedule. But uh, South Carolina, because of this Clemson thing, the second half of their schedule, more times than not, is going to be loaded with games that are going to be difficult to win. So, really, the toss-up game, probably the difference between reaching a bowl game uh, is probably the Missouri game. Um, you know, I think you win that game. I think you have to win that game. And you probably have to pick off Kentucky. I just don't – even with Texas A&M coming in there, I just don't think that they're going to have the juice to do it. So, again, the first half of the schedule is not a cakewalk by any stretch of the imagination because your three SEC games are Arkansas, Georgia, and Kentucky. And I've got them losing all three of those games and then winning the three non-conference games. Second half of the schedule – yeah, you get Vanderbilt in Missouri, but Missouri beat you last year. Vanderbilt nearly beat you. Now you got to go to their place. But, uh, you know, the bottom line is South Carolina, in my estimation, you know, barring kind of a crazy game out there, is going to come up short of bowl eligibility. That's not what they want to hear. That's not what their fans are hoping for. They think, well, we'll pick somebody off. But uh, this is a pretty brutal schedule in many respects, especially the second half. I mean, it's just you just don't get a week off other than – the trip to Nashville, and you certainly can't take those guys for granted. You only beat them by one point last year. I just think South Carolina with Spencer Rattler will be much improved, and I don't think the Vanderbilt defense will be able to stop them. But, um, again, wish Shane the best, but it's going to be it's gonna be tough this year. It's going to be really, really tough. And, again, Spencer Rattler could transform that offense 
and maybe turn some of these games into shootouts. But until they can you know, control the clock and slow people down running the football, it's going to be very difficult uh, to beat good teams in the Southeastern Conference. And so my hope is, is a lot of people won't say, oh, well, we're, we're taking a step backwards, especially when you consider I think they were ahead of schedule last year. I did think Shane obviously will be there for uh, for a few years, but you know when you start looking at the schedule, you know you got the three non-Clemson non-conference games. You got to win all three of those and find a way to pick off three more. And I just don't see you know three wins as we sit here today. As we get into it later in the year, it might feel a little bit differently. But um, you know again, we talk about the East. You know, if we were in the East, sometimes we'd probably be in Atlanta a lot more. You know South Carolina. The fact that they got to play Clemson doesn't impact the SEC race, but it, it certainly hurts their quest for bowl eligibility most years. And as Will Muschamp said, you know, we're not the little brother. Well, they have been for a while now. Clemson has won seven straight in the series. And which is what's interesting about that, too, is, uh, you know, for a while there, South Carolina kind of dominated the rivalry here, and they, they reeled off five wins in a row. But since 2014, many of these games have not been competitive. 35-17 and 14, the closest game in recent memory is a 2015 game that Clemson won 37-32. And then it's been blowout city ever since, 56-7, 34-10, 56-35, 38-3, and 30-0. So what's interesting, you look at the last 20 years or so of this, it's like more times than not, there's one team that kind of goes on a run, you know, wins two or three games in a row or more, and they put a streak together. I just don't think at this point that South Carolina is ready to compete with them. Not on the recruiting trail, and I know Shane, that's kind of where Shane is good. You know, so they'll start winning some of those battles in-state eventually. But um, it's going to be tough this year. So that's our South Carolina preview. So what we have left is uh, Tennessee, Texas A&M, and Vanderbilt. We'll knock those three uh, out next week. Of course, State only plays one of those teams, being A&M. But, again, it's, it's always fun this time of year to speculate. And one of the things that I would share with you, too, there's still all this talk about um, what the future schedules look like. You know, will we go to nine conference games? I'm totally against that. Totally against that. I know other people are like, well, you know, we don't want to lower the hurdles. Well, why do we want to raise them? Why can't we just keep them where they are? When you look at the success the SEC has had in the FBS playoff, why would we want to go upset the apple cart and make it more difficult for SEC teams to get to the FBS playoff. Makes no sense to me. And you say, well, there's still the TV money. Well, make the playoffs. There's a lot of TV money with that too, right? I, I just don't know what we gain at Mississippi State by playing an extra conference game. There are some of you out there proponents of that, and I've, I've yet to hear a good argument for that. I think Mississippi State needs those four non-conference games uh, to put ourselves in a position to get bowl eligibility more years than not. You know, so, again, I'm not trying to lower their hurdles. I'm just trying to keep them where they are. And if we do go to nine games, I think you have to eliminate the P5 game. If we have to keep the P5 game and go to nine, nine SEC games, I think it's going to be difficult for Mississippi State to make a ball game regular most seasons. You may not want to hear that, but that's the reality of the world in which we live. And so I, I share that with you. Just kind of be mindful of that kind of as we move forward. All right, final segment of the show brought to you by Portico. I want to thank Portico, too. They're going to be helping us with um, with Rock Vegas, too. How about that? We're getting the band together, man. We're getting the Boneyard band together, putting this show together. 
and uh, you know, again, I, I guess in some ways I'm kind of the driving force behind it. But at the end of the day, it's uh, you know, it's Hobie's show. I mean, I'm it's going to be at Hobie's venue, and so you know, I hope you guys can turn out and uh, have some cold beer and a good time uh, at Hobie's. I'm just kind of the guy that's got the connections and uh, helping raise the money to uh, you know, to put this thing together. Of course, Gene's Page will be the majority sponsor. You know, we'll end up paying the most for this, but. Um, you know, we're doing our best to raise some money for NIL, and so I hope that you'll be a part of that. But uh, Portico, listen, if I was moving to Starkville now, that's where I'd move. And maybe some of you have considered that. Hey, I'd like to move to Starkville. Give Portico a shot, because here's the deal. There are a lot of residential developments in Starkville. There are. This one's 1.1 miles away from the Mississippi State campus. How cool is that? And it's the quiet side of campus. Easy to get to. Turn off 82 on a 12, very first rights, Pat Station Road. That gets you home. That's how close you are. You could run to campus. Like if you're a runner, you want to go run around, get your morning run in, you can run from home to campus. How cool is that? It's outstanding. You can start with a two-bedroom, two-bath home, go all the way up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home. And here's the deal, too. You, you can pick out your lot and your house plans. Phase one's completely sold out. Phase two under construction now. Some of those homes are sold, too. A couple of them are custom builds, though. So, like, if you need a home office or you, there's some things that you want to do at your residence that maybe doesn't fit maybe a traditional family, maybe you're like, hey, this is what I want, and this is what you can get. You can have some input in how your home is built. I think everybody deserves to do that at least once. So be sure and check them out. Call our buddy Brooks Bryan. Uh, Brooks, former Diamond Dog, 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601 416 Seven five, make Portico your next move. All right, so let's talk a little bit recruiting. We're going to be a little bit shorter show today because I got to get out the door and get to Jackson. Got some work to do. But um, so now that Chris Parson is committed, a lot of people kind of wonder. Okay, well, well, Steve, what's next? Well, I don't know that anything is next immediately. I think now that we're in football mode, I think players are going to slow down a little bit too. I think everybody's getting ready to go play a game. Matter of fact, it's uh, private school football has already started in Mississippi. We have jamborees tonight, and then we'll get out and play a regular season game in the public school ranks next weekend. And uh, my current plan is to go see Ty Jones from uh, Bay Springs take on uh, Get Perkins and Raleigh. I think that'll be a great game. That's in week one at Raleigh. So my current plan – is to head down there and see them. I, th- I got to double check that, but I believe that's what we're doing uh, that week. And then at some point here in the next few weeks, I'll get up and see Chris Parson play. How cool would that be? Excited to do that. But uh, with Parson in the boat now, I don't think there is an immediate commitment. Now things change. I mean, guys like you know Justin Brown was a guy that um, you know we, we thought he might take some time and take some additional visits. And the next thing you know, it's like okay, I'm setting a commitment date, and that worked out well for us. But we don't, we don't see anything right now in the immediate future on the commitment trail. And, again, you got at least 10 more spots to fill. you got to be – yeah, the, the new rule will pass, but, um, you know, you got to beat 85. But uh, heading into this recruiting cycle, I think we had 23 spots left, and you know one or two guys will transfer, so that will make a full 25. But the reality of it is I think if we're going to relax those one-year initials, you know, that just the 25 thing just kind of becomes, you know, part of the past. But again, let's take a quick inventory here of kind of where we are. Okay, we got the quarterback, right? 
Got the quarterback. We have a running back in Seth Davis. And uh, Seth will have a big year out there in Katy, Texas. Yeah, I mean, the guy's explosive. The guy's a very productive player. You know, my, always, my concern's always been it's the size. You know, is he going to have the framework to put on the mass necessary to step up in the A-gap and hit a blitz in Mike Linebacker? I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but as far as production, the guy's outstanding. The guy's explosive in the open field. He's a guy that runs away from people. Um, wide receivers, we have three at this point. We expect to sign four, maybe five, just kind of depending on how things break out in the portal. And, of course, two, we're not going to turn away good players. And so if Steve Spurrier finds a couple guys out there, because you, you, you expect some guys to transfer. I mean, it's, just, it's, it's sad that's the world we live in, but that's the reality of where we live right now. You'll have some guys down depth chart to say, you know, listen, I'm going to go somewhere else. Um, all right, so let's get a little deeper here. Offensive line, you've got three. We're going to sign at least four, more than likely five. One of those five could be a transfer. That is not carved in stone, right? We, we probably would like to go get a transfer, but, you know, transfer offensive linemen has kind of been a moving target for us. In these last first two years of the transfer portal process, we got Stephen Lasoya, uh, but you know here, we got him, and then at this point he's not expected to start, and so you might be better served getting a high school guy and bringing him up your way. Just don't know. That's a decision that they will uh, take some time to kind of figure out. Uh, so my, I think we're done in state with offensive linemen, and of course you got Joe Crocker. I need to get up there and see him play at some point, but. Uh, you know, with Zay Alexander, Malik Ellis, and Joe Crocker, the building blocks of a really good offensive line class are already in place. And now you can kind of go big game hunting. You know, Brandon Solis is a guy that we've been on a little bit. Uh, Stanton Rommel's a guy committed to Michigan State. You know, that's a thing, too. In each of the last two years, Mason Miller has flipped a Power 5 offensive line commitment late. Multiple guys. Most of the time. You know, Albert, people forget Albert Reese is a guy that was already committed. We flipped him. We took two from Virginia Tech in back-to-back years. And so, I always expect Mason to get somebody else late. You know, could that be Stanton Rommel? I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but the reality of it is, is that the fact that you have three high-quality offensive linemen already in the boat, you can kind of take your time. You don't have to go out there and just say, okay, I'll take a project guy. You may decide to do that in January or maybe even late December, but the reality of it is is that uh, State can afford to be very picky. Now, defensive line recruiting, got to be patient here. We only got the one guy in, Joseph Head, and he was one of the first commitments to the class. I continue to hear that we may take a JUCO interior guy, and we probably need to, especially if Nathan Pickering goes pro because he does still have the benefit of the COVID year. Um, Cam Young is going to be gone. Jaden Cromerty going to be gone. You know, you start running down the list here and you start thinking, you know, we're going to need an influx of talent. I think we've, we're actually pretty good on the edge, but probably need a big-bodied guy that can play there in the middle and play on the interior. And so whether it be a portal guy or a junior college guy, and there are some power five bounce backs in the JUCO ranks in Mississippi this year. So look for those names to emerge. Once they get out and have a chance to go evaluate those guys in person, I won't be the least bit surprised to see that we have a JUCO defensive interior guy offered maybe midway through the season. So that's just something to kind of watch as we move forward. But uh, going to take three defensive linemen in this class, and you got Joseph Head as your edge. Uh, probably to get a tr- you know true defensive end. You know, is that um, Caleb Bryant from Vicksburg? I don't think he, he holds to Utah. I think he's going to get some better opportunities closer to home. I think one of those is Mississippi State. He already has that offer. I know that he does plan to take an official visit to Mississippi State. 
But watch that junior college thing closely. All right, uh, linebacker, we could be done. Yeah, I was told we'd probably sign four. Um, but I like the group. I think we're beginning to stack some good linebacker classes together. Um, you know, Tobias Hinton, of course, I think Ty Jones is going to play linebacker. He is an athlete, so he could he could play other spots. But uh, you feel really good about where they are there. Zachary Tillman, of course. But, um, you know, going to take probably one more. I think what they'll wait and do is just kind of see how the season goes and see how some of these young guys develop. And then, you know, what happens with um, the returning players? Does somebody take a COVID year and come back? If they don't, maybe you got to go get a portal guy. So that's an option as we kind of move forward. Defensive back, I think this is where the bulk of the class uh, kind of comes from. You know, what's left. You, know, you got Kelly Jones, you got uh, Jalen Abram, you got Dante Kelly. I think you need some additional defensive backs, and I think that Chris Parsons is actually going to help with that, even though they're not going to play on the same side of the football. I think that's a big part of things as we kind of move forward. We've got to go out and get some safeties. You've got uh, some veteran guys that obviously will contribute this year. But you've got some other guys, too, that uh, need to develop. But some of these guys are going to be gone. You know, some of this, you know, that's we talk about having a veteran defense. You know, the flip side of that is, you know, guys like Jalen Green, uh, Sias Furge, they're going to be gone. Emmanuel Forbes could declare early and go pro. You know, that's something to really watch. Sean Preston, Colin Duncan. And so there's some names that you have grown familiar with they're going to exhaust their eligibility this year. And then we'll see how things progress. But um, you're going to see, I think, a lot of defensive backs in this class. I think it'll be very safety heavy. We need some safeties. You know, I, I like the, our young guys, but uh, we're going to need more than them because that's, that, that's a personnel group that's going to lose uh, some regulars. So that's kind of how things sit today. I, I would say, again, it's, it's at least 10 more spots in the class. Could be as many as half of those being defensive backs. And you, you really run through it. That's just kind of kind of the deal, you know. Um, and just kind of thinking, you know, thinking outside the box here a little bit too. I, I think you probably scholarship on the kicker. You know, Biscardi and Raven will be gone after this year. Probably you've got some uh, walk preferred walk-ons committed, but I, I expect them to probably go and scholarship a portal kicker as well. Uh, but just kind of running it through here, do you take another running back? You know, what if Woody Marks decides to go pro? Well, I think you got to go you know, hit the portal and maybe get a guy, even though I, I like that personnel group now. You know, that's the good – that's the benefit of the portal is that we, if you have an unexpected defection, uh, you can address that. Going to be another receiver, possibly two. Going to be one more high school offensive lineman and probably a transfer portal guy. Going to be a couple more defensive linemen. Maybe another running back. I mean, another linebacker, and then defensive backs. That that's how this thing is going to shake out. You know, as it sits today. Now, of course, you know, things can change. You know, with your roster, you never know who's going to just decide. You know what? Hey, this thing is over. I'm going to move on. So that's kind of how things sit. And again, I don't I don't feel that there's a commitment imminent. If there is, it's a bit of a surprise, and that's probably a good thing, right? Uh, surprises in recruiting for Mississippi State over the years have kind of been of the negative variety. But I think getting a drawing card like Chris Parson is so huge for this program just because of the fact that uh, that is a, a name that has some national credibility. I think he's even undervalued. If you watch his film, you see what I'm talking about. There are a lot of people out there that, that I laugh when people say, oh, you know, well, 
his final four were, you know, Virginia Tech and SMU and TCU. And, you know, three of, three of his four were power five schools. And this is a guy that was committed to Florida State, could have remained committed to Florida State if they had not made some, uh, some poor decisions on how to handle that. And so I just lay that out there, right? I just lay it out there for people to understand that. I mean, I don't understand why some people want to – you know, devalue positive things that happen at Mississippi State. But there are some people, it's like they they love to hate us, you know. It's like they love us and they wear the maroon and white, but it's like they're always the one that forecasts failure. All right, if you had not done so, go to dogpilethebook.com. You can get all my sports books there. That's Dogpile, Stark Villains, Alpha Dogs. And again, I caution you, not many copies of those two left. Uh, Stark Villains especially. They told me just a few left and then a few more of Alpha Dogs. And so uh, – Warehouse nearly empty there. Second printing of Dogpile is in. Kind of an up-to-date edit there. Many of you, maybe because you got um, maybe disenchanted with baseball, maybe you said, I don't want anything to do with baseball. We're going to have a good baseball class this year. We're going to have a good baseball team. They're already practicing now. Um, we're ready to go, ready to get going with this thing. And uh, no update on the transfer situation with TCU. Now that they're here and class has started, you know, that, that process will begin moving forward. Again, I expect that to work out. We're talking about Tyler Davis and uh, uh, Connor Hyzak, these guys from TCU. They entered the portal after July 1st. And I believe the premise of the argument is this, is that, you know, they made a coaching change, so the situation changed there. And basically what you're saying, if they can't transfer, is, well, you know, the, the, the players have a deadline, but the coach doesn't. Uh, and that, that just kind of flies in the face of the point of all this legislation and one-time transfer exception and all that stuff. But, again, I expect it to work out. I think that the, the um, VCU folks are just kind of grandstanding a little bit for their donors and kind of standing up for the program and probably also sending a message to other guys that uh, might have considered going into the portal that, hey, we're going to fight you on this, and so it's probably best if you stay here. But I do expect that to work out. I know we'll feel a lot better once we get that ruling, but I think it's just a matter of time before we find out everybody's good to go. So, again – there are no guarantees with the NCAA, but uh, there's no reason at this point to suggest that uh, these guys shouldn't have the opportunity to transfer when their coach left. You know, their coaching staff left uh, VCU and went to Notre Dame. You know, Stifler's a great coach, but uh, didn't take those guys with him. But that's the point of the transfer process in the first place. Is when everybody, I think, I think you, we'd agree, probably 99% of, of college sports fans would say, when there's a coaching change, the guy should be able to leave, right? I mean, maybe you don't fit their scheme. And I think that's one thing we can all kind of agree upon, that that's probably uh, one of those situations where everybody would say, you know what, this is what needs to happen. If a, if a coach leaves, the player should have the ability to leave too. Does that mean they follow the coach? Sometimes they do. But I don't think they should be, you know, hamstrung playing for a coach that perhaps they didn't sign on and uh, be recruited to. And that, that happens in football all the time. Where's well, a coaching change and my coach left and, I just wanted to start fresh. And so if we're going to allow coaches the opportunity to change locations and, and positions, then why wouldn't we do the same thing for players? And, uh, you know, this transfer portal thing is still a very dynamic thing. But I, I just offer that to you because I think it's important. People are always asking me when I'm out and about, Steve, what have you heard about this? And I don't know if people understand how significant both of these guys are going to be to our success this year. So it's important that this get handled properly. And, and we've got some very smart people that are engaged in this process that will do uh, a great job for us. Um, you're looking for Bloomsville Leander, you can find it at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, BooksAmillion.com. And if you're looking for Stark Villains gear, and a lot of people are, I, keep, I get those messages probably once a week. We talk about it on the show, but, so I assume these people are not Boneyard listeners. 
go to StarkVillains.com. Go to StarkVillains.com, and uh, you can order yourself uh, some Stark Villain gear. And again, if you live in the greater Starkville area, chances are your high school colors are represented. So you can go to a Starkville High School Yellow Jackets game and have a black and gold Stark Villain shirt on. And I think that's super cool. You can go to a Starkville Academy game, and you can have your orange and blue, and it says Stark Villains. I think that's really cool. I wish these uh, high school students would kind of get behind that. Maybe you students load up that student section with Stark Villains gear. I think it'd be awesome. Again, at StarkVillains.com. Okay, we're going to get out of here. i got to pack a bag, and then we're headed to Jackson. Got to handle some business, man. And then uh, Mississippi Book Festival tomorrow. Again, that's a 9.30 panel, and then I'm signing at 11. So if you're in the central Mississippi area, whether you have my books or not, let me encourage you to come out and support that great event. A lot of people are going to be there. A lot of big-time authors. And then there's me, right? Uh, So come be sure and check it out. It is a wonderful event, and I've been a part of it. I've told you before, uh, I love being able to go do this. It's quite the honor to be there. But uh, if you are a reader or you know a reader, now is a good time to be able to come out and get some signed books from some of your favorite authors. Again, that's the Mississippi Book Festival at the State Capitol on Saturday. You can find more details on uh, their website or on Twitter, and it's the Mississippi Book Festival. Be sure and come Check that out. Well, that's it for today. We'll see you guys next time. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.